welcome everybody to the 10th, ep or sorry, 11th episode of Moscow Mules and Knopf Slides. Um, one of your co-hosts, Kyle. Hello, Kyle. I'm David, and I'm back from many vacations, and I hope uh, that never happens again. <laughs> David, will, David, will, we'll, we'll have Dina back again, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> Probably. And uh, uh, our guest of the week is someone I've known for a long time, and besides my wife, I've probably spent the most time with him when we were overseas. But uh, Brian, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Pretty Fantastic. Good. It's been raining here. We get some rain. Um, I feel like we say it's raining or sunny every time we start the podcast, so might as well. Keep you got, you, yeah, you always you always need a weather check in 2020 because it might be just you know the dumpster fire may have overtaken the world and it could be something completely different. You're you're in the swampy south, so. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's like in the 90s every day. Yeah. If it rains or doesn't rain, it just raises the humidity from like 80 percent up to like close to 100 percent. So it's yeah. Where's statewide the generic swampy south at? <laughs> Swampies. I think it's like Tennessee and everything below. I'm in I'm in North Alabama, so as far as you get further south toward the Gulf Coast, Holy cow. the more swampy you get. <laughs> At least I guess it, I, I like that weather just sounds like you can't go outside without sweating. I feel like you have to wear like under you have to be like sponsored by Under Armour to live in the South. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but but anyways, for those listening for the first time. What Moscow Mules and Knob Slides is, is basically where we talk to you know cybersecurity professionals or just even you know tech uh, technical professionals out there um, uh, about what they do and things they're interested in, and we kind of do that over a few drinks or a drink uh, to each their own, whatever how many you have. Um, and you know that was sort of the introduction of this is right. You know your Moscow Mules is, is a take on it. Irony, I'll probably never drink a Moscow Mule, but you know we have drinks and then uh, we talk about you know our guests cool backgrounds of all sorts. So uh, Brian has a, a pretty cool background that I forgot about a lot of things. So it's be fun to rehash all the uh, things today. But as we like to do is to kick it over to our guests of the week. Brian, what are you sipping on this fine, fine evening? Uh, today I'm drinking a Mai Tai. So uh, it's in a little Jeff Granito glass. He's a guy that does some stuff, I think for Disney. So this oh. one actually is uh, Kind of like the Disney, the Haunted Mansion, kind of goes All along right. with that. That's thing and uh, some tiki guys on it too. So uh, just regular old Mai Tai, a bunch of rum, some pineapple juice, orange juice, and uh, I think there's lime in there. Not bad. It's, it's you use... Go ahead, Kyle. No, no, go ahead. Oh, oh, yes. I was going to just ask about the uh, the rum. What, what's uh, any magic rum? Uh, no, I went cheap. <laughs> this is <was> like. <laughs> This is like the second or third time I've made these. I, I go in the store, I start looking at all the rums, and you can buy like, you know, the Bacardi and the, I think it's Myers or something like that, because it's a light rum and a dark rum. But you're not supposed to get spiced or flavored or any of that kind of stuff. All the good rums are like infused with coconut. I'm like, I don't really want that, or infused with, you name it. And so I went with the cheap ones. Probably a better rum would make it a little smoother, but other than that, it's, it's still a pretty good drink. Do you use a clear rum or do you use a dark rum or does it take both rums? It takes both. So you oh. put in it's about a, a full ounce of a clear and then about a three quarters of a dark. And you also use Cointreau, which is like a, I think it's an orange liqueur. You nice. use a little, use a lot less of that though. It's like a, a quarter or a half ounce, something like that. All right. So that's like a, that's a pretty, I should have had the. Uh, aren't those supposed to have, aren't those supposed to have umbrellas? Yeah. Where's your umbrella? <laughs> yeah, I'm not that fancy. <laughs> 
I'm going to send you some umbrellas. Okay, I'll be looking for them. <laughs> I, th I think you're like the second person that's brought like unique glass. Like, so wait, I want to know more about the glass since that's what you also do that, on this. That is a bit. cool looking glass. So it's, it's just ordered offline. I mean, it's go to Etsy. <laughs> so that, what's the what's unique about it? It's like it's based off the artist that did Haunted Mansion. Well, no, this this guy. I think he works for Disney. I'm not sure. It's a guy named Jeff Granito. You can look him up on uh. I like Etsy or I think he's on Instagram and all that kind of stuff as well. And so some of it is, I think he used like this inspiration for this is like when you go through the haunted mansion, which is like my favorite ride at Disney, there's a, a head and a crystal ball kind of thing talking to you. And I think he'd base the art for this off of that. And uh, I think he does like freelance stuff for them or either works for them or something, but he's got his own little line of all kinds of stuff that, that goes through there. He's got a bunch of other like Tiki and, and, uh, you know, general like mid-century modern type design things on there. So What's basically cool stuff? You, you Google it. Yeah, I'm looking at it real fast. Like he's so it's uh, if you're on Etsy, it's Jeff Granito Arts, G-R-A-N-I-T-O, and Jeff with the J. Yeah, this is this is some cool stuff he's got here. I have to check this out as well. So that's interesting. Well, it's it's cool to see the guests bring a, a cool glass. I mean, besides Dina, and I think. Madison and a couple others. Not many people brought a glass to the party, so I'm glad that's sort of expanding on there. <laughs> so really since you're back, man. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm still looking at these. He's deep. He's, <laughs> see, this is where his glass obsession comes into play. Yeah. Do I need which any is, of these? Which is probably. I feel like I want one now. Juju <laughs> zombie cocktail glass. Oh man, hold on here. <laughs> this looks good. Okay, I gotta get out of there. I gotta get out of that world. He'll be back. So I will be back. Go ahead, David. Yeah, so it's over to me. So, um, yeah, I haven't been here for a while, I guess. It doesn't feel like I have. But I've had this glass for a long time, and if you're friends with me on Untapped, or um, I guess it's just Untapped. I, I like to use this glass a lot lately. It's, it's this nice, really big uh, willy glass uh, from a, an independent artist on, I think he's just basically on, um, on Facebook. It's called Hop Art Glassware. And this is it's a themed super Beerio cart uh, where we have all of the Mario characters and some hops and some Koopa shells and uh, it looks like a can of Treehouse beer. But uh, it's one of my favorite glasses. It's, I think it's a 21 ouncer. Um, and <clears throat> this is the first time I've got to use it on the podcast. I'm pretty excited. And what am I pouring in here? So I got this also this insulator finally. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm gonna one up your that. I'm gonna one up your foil with this uh, uh, hopsolator. So we're pouring the Four Points Brewing. All right. Four hundred IPA. I believe it's called Four Hundred. It's a seven point zero percent IPA out of Charleroi. Shout out to Charleroi, Pennsylvania. So they put uh, out some really good IPAs, like really good put, hazy. They, they should have said hazy, but it, it's. It's just regular IPA listed. Uh, it looks really, really delightful. It smells good to start off with. Uh, and one, one, little, one little more shout out to the glassware. We haven't talked about this a lot, but these come with cards sometimes when the artist will put in like an, an uh, I don't know, numbered limited edition certificate of authenticity, but it's basically a business card uh, that has like their name, their, their logo, what the, the glasses that you're drinking out of, and then like what number. So there's only 132 of these floating around. That's actually a pretty big number. Uh, one of my favorite glasses, so I'm gonna take a sip of this and throw it to Kyle. Nice, yeah, Brian. We I, 
don't, have you been to Pittsburgh? Yeah, you said you've been to Pittsburgh back in the day, but we have like a lot of micro brews around here that are actually probably pretty good uh, in the grand scheme of things. I've actually, I've so never need, been to Pittsburgh. You haven't? No. No. I've never even, lied. I don't even know if I've ever driven through Philadelphia. Well, well that doesn't state. count. <laughs> I used to live in Columbus, Ohio. That's, that's about it. as close as I got. That's it. That's it. That's right. You were in Columbus. I forgot about that part. I knew it was close. I felt like it was either Cleveland or, or Columbus. Um, all right. So I, I probably should be using the glass in which I got this beer. So I obviously need to step up my game uh, and uh, get whatever you have to insulate your beers. But I use a uh, tin foil. Because sometimes we'll talk for like 20 minutes and like won't crack a beer and it's like warm and so whatever. But so I ordered a glass off the interwebs uh, from Drunk Planet, which is actually local to the Pittsburgh area, which I had no idea because uh, they they emailed me like, hey, we're right down the street. We'll just bring it to your house. So like they literally just, you know, drove it to my house from down the street uh, and brought me a can of beer and the glass. I'm not using the glass they gave me because the glass they gave me is like night before Christmas themed. And that's like, you got to hit that around Halloween, between Halloween and Christmas, right? But they gave me a, a, a brewery that's uh, based out of Meadville, uh, Voodoo Brewing Company. And I just noticed what it was. So we'll see if I even like it. It's a West Coast style IPA. Mm. So, which I don't typically like, but we'll find out today. Enjoy. So I've been increasing my glass collection and this one showed up on the door today and like david said i got one of the business cards from glass to the mouth uh looks like they made 250 of these this is number 171 but it's the frank the tank so on the one <laughs> oh, side yeah. it's like him, him like doing yeah like pumping the train and then hitting the beer bong on the other sides is when he saw himself with a tranquilizer dart in the neck <laughs> you're so yeah. funny man <laughs> like I need crazy. To watch anyway. you're crazy man um looks good yeah. the, the glass the mouth puts out some good stuff and i'm kind of wondering what their deal is because they seem to really mass produce things and they they do it really well but they'll put out like five or six designs at a time yeah like a pre-order and then they'll fulfill all the pre-orders I think the one glass I was looking at this past week had like 700 made at least. So uh, they're moving, they're they're moving inventory. And they, like I hit up the one this week when they were like, Hey, these, some, these have minor imperfections. And like, I got to like the Mandalorian, this is the way, but it's like uh, Yoda inside the Mandalorian outfit. Yeah. You know, but it had like a, a little imperfection, not in the actual artwork in the glass. And I was like, who cares? I guess someone would. But I'll take it for like, you know, five bucks off or whatever it was, right? Yeah, it's a good deal. So throwing over back to your glassware and like kind of trying to pivot off of that, like, so you're, you're talking about being like, uh, I don't know, like the, the ride at Disney World having that sort of like real big significance to you. Is there any reason for that? Like, do you, you're close off in Alabama, I'm assuming to get to Disney World a little bit more than <coughs> us Northerners are. So... <laughs> Is there any other any other big story there? I, I mean, not really. I mean, when I was a kid, and when I was four or five, I guess we went to Disney World for probably the first time. And I just remember that's one of the rides I remember. And uh, and I've always liked kind of the, it had that sort of spooky quality, but it wasn't really, you know, kids didn't really get scared in it. I'm sure some some did, but it wasn't, wasn't that bad. But it was just fun. They did all like the tricks with the ghosts doing different things, a lot of the, the weird mirror tricks and other stuff uh, while you were in there. And I always just enjoyed it. So whenever I go back, like with my kids, 
they know they have to suffer through that with me, whether they want to or not. So <laughs> we end up doing, you know, going on that one. Definitely, if we're going to go through the parks. I agree. It's a fun ride. I, I remember that one specifically. That one, and for whatever reason, the Tower of Terror. Like, I, I don't know if they were like close in proximity. I don't even know if Tower of Terror is even there anymore. But I, I definitely remember being on uh, the Haunted Mansion ride as a kid. And that yeah. one sticking out more than any of the others. Yeah, it was oh. cool. I think, I think uh, Tower of Terror, may have, they may have changed that one now. And I, but it's in a different part, at least at Disney World. I don't know. I've never been to Disneyland. So that is one of my ambitions one day is to, to finally go out there. And I guess ride the same rides that I've ridden in Florida. But, <laughs> I know they're different But ones. in California. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they're a little Watch, different. Yeah. Maybe different. All I remember from my Disney World days is losing my hat. Oh, that was at Busch Gardens. So Disney World was like, I remember going into, maybe it was Epcot Center. I don't know if that's the same thing. Uh, it's Disney, but it's just, yeah. it's in its own little deal. Yeah. Was Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Because Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was like just come out like maybe a year or two before that. And that was like, it was one of those like, not interactive experience, but like they blow stuff on your legs and like, you know, uh -huh. spray water at you, right? Like mist water at you. So it was like, uh, I remember that. I don't know. That's the only thing I remember. That's it. <laughs> cool story, bro. Yep. That's all I got. <laughs> A lot of those are, are, are pretty immersive nowadays. I, I the last time I was there, I remember doing like it was called like Mission to Mars or something, and like this alien invades like the audience and like whatever contraption you're sitting in, like they make it seem like this alien is like circling you, like kind of like Predator, and you can't feel them. But the sensors or like the hydraulics will push down on on your ride apparatus down the row, so it seems like he's like running past you and like smacking the chairs or something. Cool story, bro. Ah, see, see, that's what happens. That's what happens. Nice <laughs> guy to be there. That's it. I'm, I'm muting myself. That's it. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a sort of a good segue. Like, Brian, do you want to tell us like your cool tech background? I think it's a cool tech background story. Maybe like uh, <laughs> video games that came before motion capture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I got into. Uh, what, right out of college, I got into video games. I went to one of my professors and I told him, I said, I do really good at doing projects, but a lot of the theory stuff, I'm like, I'm not one of those guys that can sit there and do theory. I need to have hands on. And he told me, he's like, well, I'm working on some other projects. And he had three or four. And then the last one he said was, or you could do some work on the next Batman movie. And I said, yeah, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds a lot better than Which any Batman else. movie. Uh, it was um, Batman Forever. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's Batman Forever. It's still a Batman movie. Um, yeah, it's still Batman movie. That's awesome. And uh, so I went into that, and that's what got me into motion capture. And uh, so that's where you you know you put the little points on people, and they run around under the cameras, and you extract the data back, and you drive your computer graphics characters. Or um, if you're doing visual effects, you're driving something that's much more realistic looking with it. So I went from there. I went up to New York, worked at Acclaim Entertainment for four years. Uh, in the motion capture studio, they just opened it. They brought some technology from my professor at Auburn was working with a company in, in Atlanta and they had licensed the technology out to acclaim in New York. And so went up there and probably made a couple dozen video games or something up there. I mean, we did a couple of the NBA jam games, uh, nice. did a couple of Turok games. We did any of the quarterback clubs while I was up there. There's an NHL game that we did some kind of like breakaway hockey thing or something. Um, and then we did a bunch of like, Acclaim was one of those companies where 
they made a lot of their money by just like mass producing a bunch of games. So if you had a movie, like that, we made a Judge Dredd game. I didn't do anything on it, but I mean, that was the kind of thing that would come out like, oh, they made a movie. Yeah, we'll make a, we'll make a video game for it and throw it out the door. Got a deal. So I did so that for you, about four years. Yeah. I'm sorry, you weren't doing like the, you weren't the guy like Andy Circus that puts the little balls on him and does the motion capture. Is that correct? You were, you were like the, tech, the, the technical person running like the, software i guess right yeah andy circus has has talent (laughs) andy circus deserves like awards and emmys and stuff and he will never get one because he's not in the movie yeah he's he's been in a a few things more lately i think i've seen him in a a few things but um but yeah he's we were more behind the camera so you got to figure out how how to set like we're using a four camera setup now they use hundreds of cameras um so we had four it was kind of the kind of the beginning of that whole like using motion capture technology and a lot of people had these really weird ideas about it like oh it's gonna replace all the animation and we found out really quick that's not right it won't do that and uh and what if you knew what you wanted to do and what you need to get out of it you could get a lot of content out really quick but then you still had to edit it or change it or, or do other things to it so we used to run on old silicon graphics or at the time they were they were you know state-of-the-art state of the industry silicon graphics computers because it was the only thing that could process fast enough off of the cameras to save all the image data that was coming through. And so we were image processing, not initially not on the fly, we were saving it all to these, uh, I think it was like Sony uh, Betamax machines. And so we had, you know, like time code coming in, all of them synced together, saving on those. And we'd go in and find on the tape, like we would need from like a minute to a minute and 20 seconds. So go back, run all the, the machines up to that and then grab all the stuff off for those 20 seconds and then dump it. And then we'd have to go in and say, okay, this dot here is number three and this dot over in this other camera is also number three. Mm. And there was a lot of other stuff on, uh, you know, you have different calibration procedures and all this kind of thing. And we had a really small space, so we had to be very creative in, in like how we did things. So for like, uh, I meant for Batman Forever, there's a, there's a, uh, this one thing where Batman jumps off the roof of a building and just free falls. I forgot how many flights it was and the camera fall, follows him all the way down. So that was the motion capture stuff we did. And we had a, a stunt guy in there. And uh, I think it was Jeff Gibson who still does stunts and everything. And uh, does a lot of stuff. He also does a lot of directing and that kind of stuff. But he came off the, we had rings like gymnast rings. And so he would be up in those and then fall down, like kind of fall out of them. And then we'd have him like just kind of jump out and fall off of stuff. And then we would have him land off the rings and you kind of repeat the parts of the falling. And then you, you kind of stitch the beginning and the endings together. And, uh, and then you get this giant free fall of stuff. And uh, whereas doing stuff for games is like, okay, run across. All right, next time, you know, block left, block right, you know, punch at the guy. And then we kind of get similar, you know, stuff back together. So you can like bring it back to the same position and everything. Jeez, Batman Forever is the one with Jim Carrey in it, right? Yes. <laughs> did, did, did you ever, like, stick any balls on him? Any motion, <laughs> motion capture balls on him? No. No, I did just, not. <laughs> just, uh, it was just a... Uh, we dealt mostly with stunt people. So, yeah, stunt uh, doubles, right? So we would have, we'd have the stunt guys in. The only thing we had, we did Batman. We also worked on Batman and Robin when I was there. And uh, we had, like, the actual 3D... Um, that was back when they were still doing like the 3d bust of people's faces. So we had like Schwarzenegger's head and we had Clooney's head and we had, I think Umar Thurman's head and this kind of stuff. So we had a 3d scanner as well in the back. 
And so they sent those to us, the 3D scan to then, I, I don't know what they used them for. I'm guessing they used them in the movie somehow or something. And, uh, but no, they, we, they might have turned those into like action figures. They might have sent that stuff somewhere. I don't know if they, they had that kind of technology back then. Because I'm pretty sure that's how like Jack Specific does it nowadays. They'll like, I think, yeah, they'll motion scan somebody and then, you know, model it and 3D print it. Yeah, I think now it's it's probably an easier thing to do. Back then, it was probably a very expensive way to do versus just, you know, telling a sculptor, hey, just make this look like Chris O'Donnell or, or whoever. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, need, I need 100 Val Kilmers, please. Yes. <laughs> now, now, now. 100 busts of Val Kilmer. <laughs> we are, I'm trying to think who we... Val Kilmer's so we did the NBA Jam that. games. We actually did have Stefan Marbury and uh, came in and... I can't remember the other guy. So for different versions of the game, we had different people that came in. Juwan Howard, that was it. And uh, nice. so we actually did have the NBA guys come in. And then I think their agents finally realized if you get hurt making a stupid video game, that's not going to be a good thing. So it, it went back to just using stunt talent. But That's awesome. That's kind of cool. They had the real people back then, though, in the games. Like It was really the, the impression of them, not like a – like I'm guessing the video games now, the basketball games that come out now are not, they're just so good at making them look like them in real life. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, back then, so I mean, like Jawan Howard, he did the majority of the moves and uh, I forget if it's NBA Jam Extreme or which one it was. It's almost all him. Huh. And they put him on different characters and different things. And then we had some other people come in, but he did a ton of stuff in the studio. And, uh, and Stefan Mar Marbury also did a lot of stuff, but that's like the only two guys we ever had where we actually had, you know, like pro athletes. The rest of the time it was stunt guys or, you know, occasionally you would get some guys that were uh, like B-team guys, you know, like guys that played hockey but weren't in the NF or NHL or something like that. So they could come in and skate and do what they were supposed to do and how they were supposed to do different things, but they weren't necessarily that pro-level stuff. Yeah. So and They're a lot better about giving those type of guys because, you know, the motion between – you know, Patrick Mahomes and a, you know, a, a big tight end aren't the same anymore. So like, you can't, you can't just slap the two, you know? Yeah. It doesn't work. We used to always yeah. work with like a, like a, like a small character, a medium character and a large character. And that was about as complex as you were going to get. That's and like Nintendo uh, ice hockey. He picked a, you know, you three, <laughs> three different characters to pick from. <laughs> yes. That's a good game though. It's fun. Oh, it was such a great game. I always picked the team with the big dudes. Can't knock the big dude down. <laughs> Always got to find a loophole. It's like super technical ball. That's the, right. Uh, the LA, whatever, Oakland Raiders or whatever. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. And Marcus Allen on the same team. I mean, it's unstoppable. <laughs> so did, did that, uh, did your start in motion capture like lead to anything else in cyber? Like, did you, did you parlay that somehow? So not, not so much. I mean, uh, it was one of those things, though, because that was, was early in the industry. Like anyone that could turn a computer on and do anything <laughs> with it, you pretty much could get a job back then. So anybody, especially that understood like how something's supposed to turn or move in space, it was much easier. But at the same time, the software wasn't nearly as good as it is now. You had to know how to get inside of, I mean, I was running, what was it, SGI IRIX or whatever, which was their, you know, kind of version of, of Linux or whatever at the time. So you had to learn how to do command line stuff with all that and how to write small programs to move all your stuff around and do what you needed to because none of that stuff really existed. And uh, 
And because we're using SGIs, you were all in that world and it wasn't PC based. And even back then with the PCs, it was a little harder to, to do things with. So that kind of helped. And then sometimes we'd use like peripherals and that kind of stuff, like trying to mix it into like the motion capture system. Mm -hmm. Like how do you get a, like a different kind of camera. So you had to learn the cameras that were in the mocap system. And we had to learn about, you know, you had to know what you were doing with like video card cages back before we got good graphics cards that could just pull a lot of video in. So there was a lot of like little things here and there that eventually, uh, you know, eventually helps to understand stuff when you get further into doing, you know, computery things. Do you think your job that like a claim back then would it still exist to this day? Like in, like with all the technology as it is, does that, does that question make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, you look at um, most of the big studios. So like EA has a big motion capture studio. Um, a lot of the other places, it's just the the software got a lot better. The hardware got a whole lot better. And, uh, and then it's kind of like, it's changed around a lot from what it used to be. I mean, you can go buy a fairly cheap motion capture setup now, whereas back then it was a huge investment um, to do anything that had to do with motion capture. It was never like a small amount of money. And if you did spend a small amount of money, like you found somebody that said, hey, I can do this, it always ended up being horrible <laughs> because it worked. And I mean, we would go to demos of these people showing us things. And back then there are only like three or four companies that really were the big companies and their stuff worked. But a few of the smaller ones that were trying to do stuff, it would work in an environment that they had set up. But once you got into an environment where it was, uh, you know, like, in your own studio or in a strange place where they didn't have control of everything. Like the magnet, there used to be magnetic systems. So you set this ball and they'd create this huge Gaussian field and then you would move this, the magnetic sensors through it so it could tell which ones they were. Those things would go haywire because you got metal all around you. So you've got to like do all these specific things with calibrating it and doing all this stuff. So motion catcher also got a really bad name for a long time, like probably back in the like mid nineties or so a lot of people got burned by the technology because people were like, oh, it's great. And then they bought it and then it didn't work as advertised or you really needed a technical person on site to handle all the issues and that kind of stuff. But it's just over the years, it's gotten so much better, especially the cameras. We used to use these little like black and white, like CCD security cameras. I mean, little, not very sophisticated at all. I mean, now you're talking, they're doing stuff with I think like 4K cameras and there's in-processing, like in the camera, you're doing a lot of the image processing and everything. Yep. And then back out of it, you're doing all the solutions because you got all the points and you got to fit that onto a skeleton um, so that it moves correctly and all that kind of stuff. So that stuff, we had like this, this program that we used that you had to go in. It was written in Fortran. So you had to go in and do every single thing. And if you put a space in the wrong place, the whole thing crashed and you had to start back at <laughs> the beginning doing every little step. Oh. Yeah. And so even that stuff's much better and more streamlined. And then they got into all the stuff like with doing the, uh, where you could take like a regular person and then put them on like characters, like with Lord of the Rings and that kind of stuff. Um, you could put them on these different size characters and that started to get really good around the time those movies came out. So it's still used a lot. Did any of your systems ever get hit with like malware or like some sort of like, did it like, did you ever have like a weird occurrence on like this IRIX operating system? I've never heard of it. I was watching, just watching a YouTube video while you were talking about, you know, <laughs> what it looks like. Someone did like a, someone did a capture of like the, the whole environment for like three or four minutes and it looks pretty uh, intense. I guess it, it reminds me a lot of like windows, windows three, something just looking at it mixed with like Apple, one of the first early Apple, uh, our Apple operating systems. So 
Yeah, it was it was interesting, but you, you really had to get because they had their interface over it. So you weren't just doing command line. Yeah. But if you wanted to do anything with it, you had to do command line, figure out where everything was. And, uh, and but back then, I mean, that was so like our internal computers, like for doing all that were never I mean, the Internet was just then ramping up. You're talking like 94, 95, 96, that kind of time frame. OK. And uh, went out, right when Al Gore created it. Yes. <laughs> he just stayed away, right? That's right. You know. Um, but it's like like malware and stuff back then didn't on those machines you were never connected to the internet or anything. If it was malware, someone had to have put it on there. And then who was writing malware for an SGI? I mean, if you're doing malware, it was gonna be for Windows or something like that. Yeah, well that was um, a supercomputer technically though, wasn't it? Yes, I guess they were. Yeah. Uh, they were restricted from being sold. I think outside the U.S. and all that kind of stuff. Boy, could you it's imagine crazy. mining mining Bitcoin on one of those back then? Like <laughs> <laughs> it burned down the building. Yeah, yeah probably the, 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 heat heat heat, the heat generation. Some, something's wrong with us. <laughs> we're belting. Why are we belting? <laughs> you're in there and you're like, very good job of making a whole lot of heat and shoving it out. We had these other machines that were about the size of a bit, like a, a large tower, um, like a large tower server. And it was called Symbolics. And uh, it was this company that made like the first kind of like dedicated cards in a computer to do computer graphics. It was the guys that came out of working on Tron and all that kind of stuff. I think several of them got together and realized there, there may be a market for this. So they made these things and we were using, some of the artists were using those when I first got there. I've never seen a computer generate more heat. I mean, it was just, we had a special room uh, with a halon system and everything in it and like dual uh, air conditioning humidifier units probably cost more than most of the computers in the room or whatever oh yeah and that's where we had to put everything so it was just so you couldn't have it at your desk it was just a mess that's crazy it's like some of those computers we had when we were overseas that were like beefy computers like these forensics machines for like 2010 time frame these forensics machines were like i don't know size of a filing cabinet that would sit on your desk next to you. You remember oh. we used to have to go and you have to go and blow them out because all the dust and the dirt that got in them. Yeah, it would impact them so much that we'd have to go out and somebody would have to take a, a compressed air and just blow all this junk, like two or three pounds of dirt, out of these things. So, so y'all were doing forensics out in the desert, is what you're we're saying? Doing, doing some some digital st forensic stuff. It was uh, it was fun. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's a Good say. Well, we'll come back because you have one other thing you you mentioned, but we'll come back to that. Yeah. So Brian and I know each other from spending. Well, I spent four of my six months when I was in Iraq with him. Um, come from different sides of the world, it was interesting. I like to joke that I never. I don't really know if I was in Iraq. Maybe you flew me around Arizona for out like said fifteen hours and then landed me somewhere in the middle of Arizona. I don't know, because we were we we never left the base. I mean, we mm. we did couple of times but like you were just basically behind these concrete walls the whole entire yeah, where, time. where are you gonna go where did you where, where would you go out there you could go downtown you go downtown yeah i used to go downtown a lot yeah brian would go downtown a lot a lot a lot <laughs> but like no we would no i mean it's down the green zone is what they would call it right so you go like the embassy and things like that that was down that way uh, downtown downtown because this is outside of like this is like the story i like to tell is that and Bre uh, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, that like Saddam diverted all the water from Baghdad and created all these huge reflecting pools. And this was like his palace outside the city type sort of oasis. And so they had all these reflecting pools that basically looked like Washington DC's reflecting pools, like how many there were, it was ridiculous. 
That, that was always the, the story I heard. Was It was out there. It was right at the airport, basically. Yeah. Because I mean, we used to drive around. The, the compound was huge. I mean, we would drive around that thing just to go to lunch, just to get out of your building that you lived in all the time. You'd drive halfway across the base just to go eat someplace else. So it's the same. They were like as big as the DC reflecting pool because that's a pretty sizable thing down there, right? I mean, I would I'm not say, sure, you know, oh, okay, maybe like it wasn't. It, I would say, like, if you broke that up into like thirds, like there, there was, I don't know how many the reflecting so, pools in the area we were on, like, there was at least three or four of them, and they big. were huge. Yeah, man, there was, it was like these, and they still exist where we're there. And you'd see, you know, some people fishing. I'm not sure you want to eat that fish. No, I wouldn't have eaten anything out of that place. No. What could what what kind of fish they got over there? Oh, who knows? <laughs> Six-eyed six bass. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Every once in a while, you see one of those guys would pull a carp or something out that was as big as, I mean, it would be like three, four feet long. And so you have this guy holding this thing up that was just gigantic fish. And then we used to actually feed cereal to the those kind of weird-looking catfish things. Yeah. They were like Seemed catfish, like they but they didn't look like catfish. They were kind of no. crazy looking like, man. It was like an eel and a catfish. And it was. Did you ever eat one? No. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. No takers on the on the six-side catfish. So our, our, our office sat right on one of these reflecting pools. So like the front door, you come off the road, and like you went around the backside. Like, you know, someone brought lawn chairs. You could sit outside, like next to this nice reflecting pool, you know, take a break. And then, you know, 100-degree weather, even though we were in the winter. <laughs> Actually, a hundred degree was the the low temp. Yeah, but uh, and I still have the piece of the palace right next to me right here. <laughs> I've got mine somewhere in a box with a bunch of stuff. Oh, see, you gotta hang it up. I got the, I got the. Uh, I found. I remember I had some guy I knew get me a, like an embassy coin, and then when I traveled a bunch in 2012, I got a bunch of other embassy coins. I I found it like buried in a box. So I have like the Iraq like you know uh, oh, cool. embassy coin. Yeah, I found that. And then I had like the prayer rug they give you when you leave, like, you know, with your name on it and stuff like that. But. Yeah, I've got a, a couple of those. But I've, I've wanted to put them up someplace. I've also got, in fact, across from where I am, there's a couple of uh, like just, you know, the knickknack stuff and you go down to that bazaar and just buy stuff. Like those yeah. little things that were probably absolute junk, but still it was like the either you spent a lot of money and bought something that you're probably getting ripped off of but looked nicer or you bought the cheaper <laughs> junk stuff. Yeah. You didn't buy any Enough. USB keychains, did you? <laughs> if we bought them, we would have brought them back and, and gone through them. <laughs> Plugged them in. <laughs> yeah. See, into the that. forensics box it goes. Into the forensics box. Our forensics box had a lot of, yeah, they, they were very, uh, and there's all types of stuff that got plugged into them because we'd wipe. I mean, it didn't matter. We had, we were on our own little network. So yeah. we weren't out in a, a larger network or anything. We got to worry about other people that aren't on forensics in that sort of situation, you know, going down to the marketplace and be like, oh, yeah, I could use a 15 or a 16 gigabyte thumb drive and just buy it from the bazaar. Some of these, some the people would, I remember would get, take their, you know, the bazaar had like, uh, someone would mod your Xbox or your PlayStation 3 at the time and like so that you could play bootleg games that they also had at the bazaar. So like you'd have military folk bring their, their Xbox they bought from either the PX or brought from home to you know the uh, guy in the shop and he would put the mod chip on for you so you can play all the bootleg games no yeah 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 no yeah there's a lot of people that did that yeah yep. wait a minute kyle didn't you have an xbox over there <laughs> uh, i did buy one while i was over there 
Or did that may have a sense of me? I think I might have bought it. I don't know. The PX was great. <laughs> it was. It was pretty good. Basically like a Walmart on base. So like in everything. But I remember, yeah, I think I got bored and bought it and then ended up playing that much. I don't know. Who knows what happened? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I guess enough about uh, our time there. But like one of these things, talk about this Jim, Jim Hansen award you got. Oh, yeah. So that was an... Gosh, that was 2007, which seems like a long time ago, I, probably because it is. Um, so yes, when I was doing the motion capture stuff uh, in New York, I left from there and I went back. I did like about six months in grad school and didn't like it that much. And so then I went to Atlanta. I worked for about four years for a company over there. And that's, uh, it's called Giant Studios. They're, they're not a, a operating mocap company anymore. But that stuff we did a lot. I went a lot back and forth and everything. But all these places I'd started playing around with, I kind of like using motion capture for not just human things. And so uh, that company, I left there after, I guess, four years. And I went, I was at uh, Ohio State. So I worked for the Advanced Computing Center for Art and Design at Ohio State. And uh, that's when I went to Columbus, Ohio. And I was running their motion capture studio for them. And then I was teaching a class. So I was, I was on staff, basically. And then I taught a motion capture class. Um, and it was one of these things where I could actually uh, spend my time playing around with and like talking to students about, you know, you can use motion capture to do stuff with creatures or stuff with, you know, not necessarily human things. You can just have things move and do stuff. And then you can put that over into a totally different character and that kind of stuff. So I started playing around with some of that. And then I started about that time. There's a, uh, a 3D game engine called Panda 3D. And it was actually, Disney had developed it for uh, for doing some online comic games. I forgot the name of it, but they had given a, the license to Carnegie Mellon to use it and do whatever they wanted to with it. And uh, so you could get a copy from them. And basically if you weren't selling it or, you know, doing, you know, whatever with it, you know, as usual, they have a long list of things you can and can't do. Um, but it wasn't real restrictive. In fact, I don't remember it being very restrictive at all. And so I started thinking like, what could I do at my house with these kind of things? So I started using joysticks and, uh, and as an input into the 3D interface and then making characters like 3D animation characters and using the joysticks to animate the character and, uh, and using it for direct control of, of things instead of just like running an animation, actually you know, opening the mouth with one of the joysticks or making the eyes move around and that kind of stuff. And I guess the year in 2007, I kind of got into that, that whole kind of world of, of how do you do that and why, why do people even, you know, look at the Muppets or why do even people look at, at different things and kind of what's the fascination with that and all this kind of stuff. And so I met a, a lot of people doing that. And I went to one of the big puppetry conventions and one of the guys I'd actually done a small show with, he did an actual real life puppet. I was doing all the digital stuff in the background. And, uh, and I think he put my name in for this award and I ended up getting it that year. So it was, it was kind of neat. That's I mean, it's, awesome. Is it, is it like a, uh, is it like a technique that you can like could have, you know, trademarked or, you know, patented, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I mean, so there are other people that have done similar stuff before. So there was an entire company called Protozoa out in, uh, in San Francisco that was doing mostly, you know, that kind of thing. But I, no, I don't think so. It'd be like saying you, you can't use like wheels on your car because mm -hmm. I used wheels on my car kind of thing thing you know you're gonna to have to use a square or something else um it wasn't you know the methods that you used and all this kind of stuff were kind of standard 3d methods i mean it's a joystick it's an input 
you got a you know voltage or whatever and you take that and you move move eyes around or you move a mouth or you hit a button and it causes something else to happen so and they actually even on the was it, it may have been the load screen on mario sunshine on the n64 you could actually make mario move around and grab his face and do different things with it and make his eyes move and all this kind of stuff so there was like a an early one of those just within a video game actually well, that's cool Really legit. So were you listed in like the Batman movie in the credits? No. No. What? No. Why what? not? What about the you video got, games? Sorry. It says like thanks to Acclaim Entertainment. That's and it. Then there's like one or two guys. So like our vice president, his name was in there. Who didn't do anything? The, well, no, Wes set it all up. Like this guy, Wes Traeger, that's our VP. He was a great guy and he set all this stuff up and he got the technology really kind of rolling he he had a vision for what it could do and uh, unfortunately uh we only went so far with that before acclaim kind of changed their their focus on everything but yeah for the most i found out that that's one of those things you have to negotiate on the front end or it never gets you're never going to see your name thing so games were different though because acclaim made the game so my name's in a, a ton of like uh of video games and that kind of stuff sweet that's sweet. Do you have a copy of each of them? Yeah. So actually, I'm I'm looking at his resume, and you know, let's 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 bring back some nostalgia here for you know glassware people to maybe make me some new glasses. Uh, I'm looking at Turok Four. Mm-hmm. What do you remember from shooting dinosaurs? So we did. So the first Turok and the second Turok we did when I was at Acclaim. Oh, I see Turok Two down there too. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So what's the first? I mean, the first and the second one. The first one. Uh, there was a little bit of a bad feeling between New York and Austin. So we had a company down in Austin that was doing, uh, they're called Iguana and Acclaim. Uh-huh. Had and so Iguana was doing all the work. They came up and did motion capture. We got like, I don't think we got any, like nobody got anything in that one, like from the mocap crew. And uh, I was one of the two, like one of the guys, like my boss was the manager and I ran all the technical stuff. He ran all the crews and the, the stuff on outside and made sure that all my issues were taken care of and everything. So we did that for a few years. Then when I went to Giant um, down in Atlanta, that's when we did Turok 4. We had the, they were doing it again. And I guess on three, they'd used a different motion capture company or motion capture setup and didn't like it that much. So the company in Atlanta that I worked for was using the same original mocap like setup. Just it was, it had gotten developed and advanced further and further. But the one that used to be in New York at Acclaim. So, and that's the one, if you go like the Lord of the Rings movies use that. Avatar used it. Um, Polar Express is a big merge of that. And um, I want to say it's the Vicon system was the other one. So you got all this stuff that this one little system from these guys in Atlanta developed that's, that's done all this really cool stuff. So they came back to us for four. And uh, I do remember we had some stuff set up so that the stunt guy that was a stunt director was a guy, Jeff Gibson. And Jeff, we used for a lot of stunt stuff when I was in New York. And, uh, and so he came down, he bought two or three like younger guys. Cause at that point, Jeff wasn't doing stunts a lot more. And, uh, we took them in the back and you put them, you have your standard normal moves, but then you get into the fun stuff. So you do like the harnesses where you have a guy in a harness and you have a, a wire coming off their back or whatever, and going either up into the roof or straight back. And you've got an air ram, which is basically a giant cylinder. And that thing contracts back. And that's what shoots people off their feet. Like when you see people get like, it's an explosion and they go shooting in the air they're on an air ram and that thing's just yanking them <laughs> back on that. And we do stuff like that. I mean, we have people flying through doing things. Uh, Jeff did a lot of gymnastics and he also was a, I think a diver when he was really young. So he was really good at getting people that had a really good idea of where their body was positioned 
mm-hmm. even when they were falling in midair. And, uh, and so we do stuff off trampolines and the, we did all kinds of like just crazy, crazy stuff for whatever. Wait, this, is, this is super cool. Just looking at your list. Like, like wait, wait, also... more importantly, did you have dinosaurs on set? Just asking for a friend. I can't confirm or deny. Okay. Well, they, I mean, that's, that's just Turok 4. Like I'm also looking at, I see Jurassic Park 3 here. So he's had a lot of experience with dinosaurs uh, that are, you know, government Ooh. created and maintained at some secret location, right? See? <laughs> See? Tell us about dinosaurs. Tell us about dinosaurs. I demand to know. Tell the people about the dinosaurs. So what's even funnier is one of the guys <laughs> used to be one of my students at, uh, when I was at ACAD. He actually teaches, I can't remember, I think it's... Uh, maybe in Illinois someplace. He teaches at a college over there doing animation. He went out to, after he graduated, he went out and uh, got a job out in California and worked for a bunch of like well-known companies out there. He actually did a, he made like a 3D skeleton on a PVC pipe that mimicked like a dinosaur skeleton that you could wear and walk around in it and stuff. And then he did an animation for his senior, or I guess it was actually his graduate thesis on how you do that and, and a lot of the other stuff. When I was at ACAD, we also did a, it's called like Jane the Dinosaur or something for, I think it was a Discovery Channel thing. And for this guy that was up in, in around Chicago. Mystery Dinosaur? It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My name is in the credits on that one because no one's seen it, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> Mystery Dinosaur. So how do they do the dinosaurs in like the new Jurassic movies? How do you perceive that they do? It's all digital now, I guess, right? It's all. Oh yeah, it's it's been digital for, well, so. You have like, if you look at the first Jurassic Park, no, I mean, the first Jurassic Park, it was a lot of puppets. So you had a lot of people that, you know, like made these things, did the skin the way they thought a dinosaur would be. You had people like airbrushing all this stuff on them. And then you have, it's like Yoda, you got a hand up in there. The Dilophosaurus like scenes, I'm guessing, like the one with the big big thing around the side. Yeah, the big thing. When they're getting, uh, Newman. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Spits that stuff in his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but they i mean they they do a mix of that so like when star wars came back like they had the uh when they did the prequels they used a digital yoda and then when they did these the last three they went back and used a puppet yoda and i'm sure there was a digital for some of it or some digital enhancement but there's just certain stuff that you get with that direct contact and manipulation and that kind of thing so it also looks like way different and like the the representation of the character is is you know Dip, which is way different like the the things that you can do with the puppet like you cannot have puppet yoda in four five and six fighting lightsaber battles like he did in one two and right. three or oh well i guess two and three you know yeah. when when he's brandishing a lightsaber and you know triple spin jump you know street fighter <laughs> turbo moves can't do that with a puppet i mean unless... uh, and that's where like the the computer graphics stuff really for me there are a lot of people especially on the animation side that i think uh I don't know if threatened is the right word, but they felt like people were making decisions on their jobs based on, hey, we can use this motion capture stuff. And then they would see me and they would get kind of angry. They're like, oh, you work in motion capture. I'm like, yeah, but it's not good for everything. Like, you know, you have those like crazy things or this stuff where you're going to have, you know, like Yoda jumping around and stuff. You got to hand animate that. You don't have a human that can jump like that and do all that kind of stuff. So you're going to have to hand animate that stuff. And then you can have the puppetry stuff for the upfront things. And there may be some things in between that makes sense to do some motion capture on. So now I think there's a much more of a, a good merger of these different things that go on these days. Whereas back then it seemed to almost be like you do it this way or you do it that way. 
The last one that I want to ask you about on your list, I see WWF Warzone from 1998, which is like the heyday of like Raw, the, the oh, Monday yes. Night Wars, right? Yep. Any any good stories there? Because uh, there's oh, there's a little bit of wrestling, uh, you know, <laughs> fanfare in my in my blood here from you know the nostalgia days. Uh, I don't watch it much anymore, but like that that time in my life, I was. Wasn't that like when um, Hawk went to the NWO and stuff? That's right. Uh, it's after that. This is like when okay. The Rock was getting big with like the Nation of Domination and DX was big and Stone Cold was flipping middle fingers everywhere and, and you know, crushing beers. Yeah. Yeah. A- anything good there? Any, uh, what, yeah, so what, what we do you do differently a- for a wrestler that you do for a dinosaur? Well, not, not a whole lot. So- <laughs> you just well, the dinosaurs, dinosaurs are real. Dinosaurs get shot out of cannons. Yeah. You just you put little little carefully. You put the little points on them, uh-huh. um, and we had so most of the wrestlers actually came in not to do the the motion capture stuff, but we had a three D head scanner, and so they came in to have their to to sit there and be head scanned. So we had a lot of those guys came through. The Rock wasn't. I don't think he was the Rock yet. I think he was. Probably still Rocky Maivia. Yeah, I think that yeah. was what it was. But he had broken his arm or done something. And so he wasn't actually, he was supposed to be in the game, but he ended up not being. So I always tell my kids, I'm like, you know, I was like that close to actually having met The Rock when he was, I, I think The Rock and I are about the same age, uh-huh. late 40s, you know, close to early 50s kind of thing. So, but all the other guys, like Mankind was there. I think Triple H was there, Shawn Michaels, Farouk, uh, nice. um, Undertaker and Kane, like came in the back door and then left. Like they had had, I guess, really? enough celebrities. Yeah, it's like some of the guys would hang out, like Mankind and his wife, like Mick Foley or whatever. Oh, they Mick came Foley with. seems awesome. Oh, he's the nicest guy. Yeah. And he, he brought tapes. He showed us like old tapes of like his matches in Japan and stuff like that. And, uh, and he and his wife sat there, had lunch with us. A lot of them just hung out for the day because they wanted to see what the motion capture stuff was and what the head scan stuff was and all that kind of thing. And, uh, but a few of them, they had been, I think they were getting burnt out at that point in time. And so they would come in like the back door, do the head scan and leave because they didn't really want to, they're like, this is part of my job. I'm just going to go and do it. And then, and then hit the road. And we also had, who was, we had uh, the British Bulldog and Bret Hart and uh, Owen Hart. And that was right before Owen got killed in the ring. Uh, And then British Bulldog died not too long after that, I think. And, uh, but those guys were nice. We actually spent a weekend, uh, they ended up doing their shoot on the weekend for some reason. So we ended up coming in and just hanging out with them uh, for hours. But those were, all those guys were nice. All of them were, we had a good time with them. It was fun. That's awesome. Those are good stories and good memories too. Especially, you know, during that time of, you know, professional wrestling, that's like a, it's a significant portion of, you know, the, the legacy of the industry at this point was from, you know, the late nineties that oh, yeah. I remember, you know, growing up with. Oh, I guess Super awesome. so- I used to have a ton of, like, I had headshots for all of them, and they had, I guess they had signed all of them and that kind of thing. So I had, like, a thick, like, section of all these things. And then my my ex-wife's cousin, they were into it. So I sent them a bunch of this stuff. So they had, like, you know, the headshots from the, the professional headshots from the guys up in the walls in their room and that kind of thing. So every once in a while, I'll bump into one of them or see them on social media, and they're like, yeah, I've still got those somewhere in a box. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks for awesome. sharing those. Those are those are. Yeah, we can go all day down to the games. You very so cool. Do you oh, have man. any? Do you have any of these games still, like in a box somewhere? I I think I still have Turok somewhere. 
Um, I've got I an old you, I bet you do. We all know why. Because <laughs> of the dinosaurs. Yeah, that's right. They exist. That's proof. Because why would you keep this to rock? Why, why would you keep like the WWE? That's Somebody funny. needs to learn how to defeat the dinosaurs with, you know, machine guns and rocket See? launchers. See? Saving the, basically training videos, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's all it is. It was just training everybody. It's like Ender's Game. Here, play this. <laughs> nice. Good pull. <laughs> I'm trying to think what I game wise I don't have I think I actually have one of the the NFL games we did quarterback club whereas EA was doing you know the Madden stuff or Madden and what it was the other one they did whatever it was that they do and I think I have one of those still and then I used to have a bunch of old like Sega stuff but I ended up giving that to like somebody's kid at some point in time um, I still I think I've got a Turok mug like in a, in a room someplace and every once in a while I'll run across like little pins and, and that kind of thing that we had or acclaim bags or, or something. So. It's a, it's a, it's a cool pass. Cause like the fact that you can remember that much about it, not that I don't tr trust your memory, but like, you're like queuing it up. Like I was like, I don't remember that much from my past like that, but yeah, it, yeah. Was, a, it was a it great was fun times. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like Oh yeah. The guys, the people I worked with, we were all, I mean, all of us were young. I mean, the oldest guy in there, Larry, was maybe 32 or something like that. And the rest oh, of wow, us were okay. like early 20s, mid 20s. And, uh, and I mean, we were doing, I mean, you, you didn't know how to do, nobody knew how to do any of this. So you're like making stuff up. Like, how are we going to do a dinosaur? Well, put this here and put that there. And uh-huh. Yeah. Besides bringing the real dinosaur. Yeah, yeah sure. Besides <laughs> bringing the real one. Uh -huh, yeah. Nice play. I, I'm on to you, oh, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we got to try to push that off to the side. You got to divert, divert the yeah. dinosaur. How do divert. we do the dinosaur? But it you was get cranky that, when they yeah, feed them, you know. You give them hot yeah, dogs. you got And yeah, what are you going to feed them? Interns. Dinosaur food. <laughs> the Interns. newest guys sitting there getting nervous. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I love your webpage. It's got like that '90s feel to it. Like that, just I don't know if you've you've updated it. Uh, probably has it since ever, or if you did this on purpose on like GeoCities and just you know pumped it onto to the internet. I think I, I forgot when I made it, but I made it to be simple oh, and then so have good. that kind of look to it. And just, and after that, I've thought about changing it a few times, but it's, it's my resume. Please don't change it. Yeah. It's I so just, cool. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Before we, <laughs> before we get to like near the end, I know you love cars. So what, what, what's, oh, what's yeah. like, what kind of, what are you working on these days? Just because obviously we we always try to do something that's not tech related before we get yeah. to close to that hour mark or whatever. But see, so I, I I see your Instagrams all the time because we follow each other, right? These old classic cars. Are oh you, yeah. Are you more of the traditional American muscle car versus like the you know Subaru foreign car? No, I'm kind of all across the board. I mean, I really like old hot rods, like the early '30s Fords and that kind of stuff. The people where they've chopped the tops off and they've the engines exposed and all that. But I mean, in my garage right now, I've got my 98 Honda Civic, which I, I bought back in 98. My son learned to drive on it. My daughter will be 16 next year. So she's going to learn to drive on it. Although my son says he didn't do it. it uh, the clutch is pretty much burnt out. And <laughs> of course he, <laughs> of course he burned out the clutch. I burned out yeah. my parents' clutch when I learned how to drive. Exactly. So I don't fault him for it. Cause I understand, but I've got that out right now. I'm, I'm about to change the clutch out in that. 
I've got my old 63 Corvair, my Chevy Corvair sitting next to that. I'm putting new brake lines in it. Um, but that one's, my mom actually bought that back in 63. So Ooh. my brother laughs. He's like, are you going to be like mom and dad where you buy a car and just keep it? <laughs> Sounds like it. I mean, your track record is showing, right? Yeah. How many miles does the Civic have on it? 230,000 or something like that. Ooh. 230. Yep. That's up, that's up there. Yeah, it's had a few things. Done. I mean, I've changed out the the exhaust manifold twice. I did the head gasket and had the head machined once about 40, 50,000 miles ago. Um, I've done the exhaust. Um, I'm about to have to do the brakes again. I'm doing a lot of the, a uh, few of the steering component kind of things and suspension and then the clutch. I've never done a clutch before in any car. Front wheel drive car is not the place to start. <laughs> it's, it's a pain in the butt. As someone who has no idea what you're talking about, I will trust your judgment. <laughs> what does it mean to have the, the machine or the head machine? Did I, did I say that right? <laughs> yeah, you're close enough. You can pull it off. So you've got like where all the valve body and everything is. So you've got your cylinders that go up and down. And you got your valves and like one valve or one or two valves are letting in uh, in your gas and then it explodes in the cylinder head and knocks it back down. That's what gives you your power. But when it comes back up, it's got to push all the gas out. So your exhaust comes out the tailpipe kind of thing. So that's got a big gasket that goes on it because you're at the same time your engine's running, you're running water in the case of the Honda, at least you're running water through it to cool it off. So water's running all through this stuff. This thing's making a lot of heat. You got a bunch of oil in there to keep everything running nice. If you get a, uh, there's a gasket in there. If the gasket starts to get holes or cracks in it, your water starts mixing over into your oil or vice versa, and then bad things can happen. And uh, so then your head can warp. So your head, instead of being nice and flat, can kind of twist a little. So when I took like it off. physical did, head or a different head? <laughs> like what they call the head where all the valves and stuff are. Oh, that's, like that's manifold. that is manifold. manifold. Hold on, I'm going to Google this. My dad would be so mad because he loves cars and he'd be like, David, you big dummy. That, <laughs> big, you big dummy. All these years I spent telling you about cars when we were out there fixing. Okay, this is a manifold. Okay. I'm on I'm on board now. I got you. So so you got like what which which part it's like turns in or like out? Like which way does it warp? Oh, it can just it's according to the heat, like the way. So you've got one part of it. If you're not heating it as much as the other one, you can just have that the metal when it gets hot changes its, you know, it starts to get Oh, I don't know. I, my background is mechanical engineering when I went to school. So you start looking at how the different, the, the metal changes and starts warping. So you just have to take it and they take it to a machine shop. They put it on like a, uh, a jig, look at it and say, Hey, is it uh, actually still flat or not? And if it's not flat, how do we get it back to being that way? And then they we, also redo we, all the valves. I'm sorry. We as humans that have been building cars for so long, haven't figured out how to stop this from happening yet. Is that, Oh Lord, no. Uh. Uh-uh. Oh, that's kind. I mean, of, I used to have a. Crappy. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Well, the car's a '98. It's it's an old car. It went 190,000 miles before that happened. So. That's insane. I I, I tells you how well cars back then were built. I'm worried that cars these days aren't built the same way. You consider that they're filled with computers, and some would say, "Whoa, what? You think they would? You know?" But you know, you just you roll the dice nowadays. I think you know. I don't know. Like my Ford, I've got a. 2012 like ford fusion sedan that thing every time i go out it cranks it goes down the road it's my if we're going to do road trip car because it's it seems to be a lot more reliable and bigger than the honda and the corvair you don't really want to go the shape it's in yeah you don't want to go anywhere with that 
maybe when I get it finished, but not right now. Golly. I, I wish I was in the cars more of my college roommates were like big gearheads, as I like to say, right? Is that the term for yeah. you car you car junkies, gearheads? <laughs> and like I wish I, my one buddy like replaced the clutch and did the whole put basically turned a W a straight up STI Subaru into a WRX, basically, by putting on a turbo on it and all that other stuff. I'm like, man, I wish I just would spend time. Other buddy had like a ninety eight Firebird, right? That he put like yeah things into i'm like for me it was just like yeah it's just a place it's just a thing to get me where i'm going right yeah well, uh, one day i will one day i will have like a like a, a sunday car as they say right you know a nice fancy <laughs> like i don't know i'll probably get like a whatever i, I probably won't even get a, a muscle car i'll probably get like some type of you know, other type of car minivan I'm definitely not get a minivan <laughs> I, I know where you can get a really nice 98 Honda Civic when my daughter yeah. gets finished. I bet you do. I nice. bet you do. I do miss, I do miss, like I looked, so I just got a new truck. I got the Ford Ranger. Um, when oh, yeah. I was over, when we were over in Thailand in uh, 2018, my wife and I and, and her friend, they had the Ford Ranger, but stick shift. So I was like, and I was like, oh, this is great. And I did a Google and after that, and like, oh yeah, it's coming to the States in 2019. I'm like, maybe they'll have it in like manual because that's what I learned on. And like yeah. when I got to the, uh, the Ford Honda, I almost said Honda, Ford dealership, I'm like, can I get this in manual? You know what I mean? They're like, no. The only two cars at Ford that has manual is the Ford uh, Fiesta and the Mustang. Yeah. That's it. The Fiesta. The little beep beep gets you around the, you know, your neighborhood <laughs> is, you know, rocking a, a five speed. Well, that's one of the reasons for the Honda. It's a it's a manual transmission. So I wanted my kids to to learn how to use it. My son now he loves them. Like the next car yeah. he got, that was his stipulation was I want another manual transmission. So it's so hard. I mean, I, I miss even, it. Yeah, do they even make those in manual? Like, do they make anything in manual anymore? Oh yeah, Honda actually makes a lot of manuals. Oh, yeah. um, a lot of the sports cars have a version that's a manual. So I mean, you get it in a Mustang. Um, I'm sure the Camaro has one. Dodge probably has something out there. Charger and Challenger, yeah. I'm sure. I, I would, I would, I would get it for sure. My my dad got a Mazda Speed Three, so whatever year that came yeah. out. Yeah, and that was a six speed. Manual. Yes. You know, yeah, my short, got a, a short like a sport shift too, because it wasn't yeah. like your like this. It was like man, man, man. Yeah, a little thing. Yeah, that thing is like it's a six speed. It handles really well. The horsepower isn't way up there, but it's real forgiving. Um, handles, it's unreal to drive. It's a lot of fun, but it's one of the few cars you can find. And, and that's one of the things we kept finding ones in automatics and then finally find a, a six-speed. We nice. snatched it up before we went to college. Do the, do the automatics have more uh, computer stuff on them than a manual would? I mean, that's just kind of like a pie-in-the-sky question. I don't really know the answer to that, but I would assume yes. I don't know. I, maybe I would. I would think so because the transmissions now aren't like like on that Honda. The transmission has. I mean, it's just a straight up transmission. Um, but the new ones, you can like program the transmission and do stuff with them. But I, I don't know if it's different in the the two. I don't know. Do you do a lot of like onboard diagnostics stuff? Like, do you do you do your own like uh, computer reader input output? No, not, I guess. not really. I don't have a, so the Honda doesn't, the, okay, so I've got like the cheapest version of the Honda. I've got like the hatchback with like the non-VTEC engine. So it's like the most vanilla kind of little, 
little Honda, but it's, it's a good little car. Um, but it doesn't have like, you couldn't do, I think it does have an OBD, OBD2 output or whatever. So it'll tell you when you trip an engine code, mm-hmm. it's got a very early computer and will tell you, Hey, something's wrong. Um, but other, the other stuff, and then the Corvair I have is a 63. So there's no such thing as computer control on that. I mean, you, you hit it with a hammer a few times and it fixes whatever's wrong. <laughs> rubber That's hammer nice. or metal? <laughs> rubber. It depends on how angry you are. Maybe. It does. Yeah. yeah. We used to have a, a Chevy, Chevy van when I was a kid. My dad had a grocery store and we had, this is our delivery van. And I think he would hit that thing with an actual hammer. <laughs> I don't know if it's just out of anger or, but it, it would work. I mean, it would get it going. So, so if one of those cars with a crank on the front too, you had to you could. It going. was horrible. It had a, a three speed in the column, which is how I learned to drive a stick shift was. What? So it's, it's up in the column. Yeah. It's like an H pattern. So if you've got three speed on the, on the floor, it's a little H. So you got a one, two, three in reverse, but it's up on the column and you got a clutch that I felt like came up like, you know, like chest height, just about, <laughs> you had to push down. And, uh, I remember spinning the wheels on that thing a lot because trying to get used to it. And it's a big V8 engine and it's a delivery van type thing. So there's nothing in the van. There's no weight in it at all, except right in the front. So, but yeah, that was sitting there doing donuts in the parking lot, trying to get out the parking lot. (laughs) How do I start it? (laughs) (laughs) How do you, you know, if you want anybody to reach out to you, especially those in the community that do, because like I do a write up every week and I kind of highlight things we talked about like that. Want, want to reach out to you? How did I've they get a hold of you? The website's probably easiest, just brianwindsor.com. Okay. That Perfect. sweet webpage. It is the best website I've seen this week. What I he means it. by that is it's the most old school. Please don't ever change it. Someone has not touched to, this in a couple of decades. I need to go to it real quick just to check Does it out. Does GeoCity still exist? Oh, it redirects to Yahoo Small Business. That stinks. <laughs> It's the best. This check, check this. Check this mess out. It is. Uh, it, it brings me right back to like the nineties. Oh my! That's, I love <laughs> it. You need like the. You need like the trail of text following the mouse cursor. That would be a nice <laughs> touch. And then some MIDI music in the background. I like how you highlight each of the things and it like does something different. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh man! Don't change it. Leave and it. And then when you click out it's of so it, so nostalgic. Oh, I'm gonna show my wife when we're done, and uh, she's gonna love it. <laughs> Oh, it's the best. Well, Brian, talking pizza. Hold on a second. (laughs) Can I talk to you about a talking pizza real fast? We can't wrap this up. I just came across the talking pizza. What is about talking pizza? pizza? I was. I I can't remember why exactly I I made that one. I think so. There's a guy I know. This in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, and I can't. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. But he used to do what's called corporate puppetry. And this was something I'd never heard of until I met this guy. And, uh, and he actually takes like puppets into like Chrysler, like corporate events. And like the head of Chrysler will talk to the puppet. And then the puppet will take on the, the idea of like the regular Chrysler, like sales rep or whatever. And it'll go back and forth. And if they're saying they're, you know, bringing out new models or something like this, it'll be complaining like, oh, we have to learn all this new stuff. And you didn't fix these things. And this stuff's still messed up. And the, the guy that's whoever is running stuff kind of talks the puppet into, you know, what we're doing now is better than the old thing. And until oh, he, he comes around so to awesome. it. So it's that kind of stuff. And then he had a thing with, uh, to do some kind of pizza restaurant at one point in time. And he asked me, can you make a talking <laughs> pizza? 
<laughs> I said, sure, I can make a taco pizza. So I threw sure. one together and just, uh, I don't even know if I have any of that stuff anymore. It was all so long ago. So oh, Well, it lives forever on the internet as everything yeah. else does. So thank you for uh, hosting and talking pizza. No, no problem. <laughs> Again, I'll put Brian, uh, his website in. It's classic. It's nostalgic for anybody that did early web design. Don't change it, Brian. Please don't. I think it, I think it needs to stay like it is forever. But uh, thanks again for being on the podcast. Appreciate it. It's great to catch up since we haven't yeah, actually done this for in a while. I, I think we didn't we didn't even touch about like uh, more of our time and all the funny stories we have from Iraq. So you're gonna be you're gonna be on again. I'm gonna get you to come on again down the road. Okay. <laughs> no, this sure. was great. I mean, I I, I know I we learned didn't really something talk new. Like we didn't talk like super. You know, computers blowing up malware and you know where do I read a TCP dump on a on a fox you know fox puppet but this was, this was like a way different level of like awesome things and i learned about uh, how you guys are hiding dinosaurs so thanks a lot for coming on we can maybe find out where the dinosaurs are next time yeah yeah and, I'll see if as, we, clear. and as we uh, like to say when we leave the podcast uh stay thirsty cheers see everybody cheers